Welcome to the audio podcast, the weekly sermon of the First Presbyterian Church of Brooklyn. We continue our multi-access worship both online and our recently renovated sanctuary. Sunday morning service is in person at 11 a.m. and we are live on firstchurchbrooklyn.org as well as the church Facebook page at facebook.com slash firstchurchbrooklyn. All one word, no spaces. Now, this week's message. That you would make use of my words this morning. That you would use them to somehow give folks a deeper sense of the depth with which they are loved. The depth of their belonging. The security of their home. Pray would be with us as we meditate upon these scriptures this morning. Amen. So I'm so glad to be back with you all. You know, I took a little three-day trip a few weeks ago, which was the first vacation that I had taken in over a year, which isn't because anyone was keeping me from taking vacation. Folks kept telling me to go and to get out and to take some time. But the thing is, is that if I leave, I'm missing out. I miss you guys. I miss being here on Sunday mornings. I miss what we get to experience together throughout the week. You know, you know, I hope that I love you. But I also just enjoy you so much, too. I like being here. This isn't a place that I want to leave, to go to somewhere else. And there's this poem. It's now, uh, it's now outside on our, on our board. It's translated from Arabic. And it says... Home is not where you were born. Home is where all your attempts to escape cease. You remember that photo of me, you know, saying that I'd finally found home, right, four years ago. And this is, this is that place that I've found where all my attempts to escape cease. Not trying to get away, but a place I love existing in, and I'm so grateful for you all. But this return out west, back to Oregon, where I was born, where my parents live and so many of my oldest and closest friends live, drew out some reflection on home that I want to share with you this morning. I want these thoughts to intertwine with our lectionary texts that we've read, thinking about Israel's experience of oppression and their search for home. This past week, I was out exploring in a coastal forest with a friend. The saline scent of the raging Pacific blew breezily through moss-covered fir and Sitka spruce. Ferns covered the forest floor and piles of sweet, smelling, decaying plant matter made the ground bouncy. Overgrowth guided us through a natural path to the top of a ravine. And we stopped and sat on a fallen tree and listened to the silence. And an ominous language touched my spirit. Even though I couldn't speak it, it was familiar. And I told my friend, I've never felt welcome here. I've always felt that this land was trying to vomit me up. An atmosphere hangs in my hometown. A history 
pox the skin of the land, indigenous genocide, overlogging, fire, the poison of waste. These are histories common to all of us white settlers, histories that we deepen and extend with our presence and our refusal to respect the land, and the land remembers. But this place has also ingested my personal pain. And tremors of that trauma reach out and touch me with a cold hand, wanting to be remembered, attended to like a ghost, unresolved. Being home can feel like walking through a graveyard, dead events alive in memory, apparitional and affecting. Everything I tried to escape begins encircling me like a suffocating ivy. I begin to forget that I was ever anything more than that place. And so I wonder what the spirit of the land felt like for these enslaved Hebrews. I wonder about children raised into slavery, stunted by oppression, Dreamless and broken, renewing generation after generation into a land that did not love them, but would make use of their labor. Heirs to nomadic wanderers, they had no home to dream of. Nowhere to belong outside of the vicious little world they were born into. Flight was no use. If the Egyptian army didn't catch them, the desert would kill them. So this was home, but a cruel home, a place of capture and not belonging. But then the dream of liberation is given to one of these broken and confused children. Moses is given a vision of home even an identity beyond slavery. And this vision was a rift in the thought life of a people, a crack in the artificial edifice that had been imposed upon the bodies and minds of these Hebrews. And that crack would splinter and shatter, and the people would be possessed by a vision that would carry them toward a home they could have never imagined otherwise as terrifying as the journey between here and there would be. A few nights ago, I sat on the roof of my old apartment with one of my best friends. He had lived in that apartment before me and was now returning to it ten years later, after the end of a marriage for which I had been the best man, as it were. We always used to sit up there, drinking and smoking cigarettes and talking about life. We were close, not just in the way of people who grew up together, but people who had survived something together. And he'd accomplished so much in those 10 years, building businesses, bringing a baby boy into the world. But the pandemic had been hard on one of his businesses. His partners betrayed him and the other. And now his marriage was ending. And he was back at this dinky little apartment for college kids. And he felt like he was back at square one. 
Like everything he had poured into that little community had been choked out and killed, and he didn't know how to start over. There was a lot of quiet space between our words, wandering reflection. And I started thinking aloud about how the Israelites did everything they could to take care of Egypt, of the land that they were forced to call home, and it did not care for them in return. It took what they had. It used them and returned nothing. And the shift in that dynamic is the foundational transformation of the Exodus. Because in Deuteronomy, when God is describing this new land and new life to Israel, God says that if you care for this land, it will care for you in return. Home becomes a character in the story. It has agency and personality and responds to human care or abuse in kind. There's a covenant between human and land, human and home. And if you care for your home, it should care for you in return. If you abuse it, though, it will destroy you. This was not the case in Egypt, as the home they cared for was an abuser. But the home that was supposed to be this new home would love them back like they deserved. So I told my friend that this place owed him something. If he had invested his love and care and dreams and blood into a home, it ought to take care of him. The fact that it had failed to do so wasn't his fault. It wasn't the first home that had failed him. But this is one of the fractures of our world. This disordered relationship between the places we call home and the safety that we can expect from them. God's pattern is a synchronicity and symbiosis between the places we call home and us, our flourishing. But there's so often a breakdown. Home feels like Egypt when it should feel like Canaan. And it's from these places that God calls us away, as terrifying as the deserts we endure in the in-between are, as disoriented and confused and lost as we may be, but God helps us find our way in the end, even if it takes 40 years. Many years later than that, hundreds of years after they find their home, Christ comes to a people who are again searching for a home. Israel has been displaced and disbanded, broken up by invading armies far from a home that was never exclusively theirs but held them well anyways. But a people wandering in the dark have seen a great light. Christ coming with a revelatory vision of a new peoplehood, a new kind of identity, a new way of building home, one that is not tied to geography, but to the expansive range of the Spirit of God. And we too are gathered into this loving Spirit and so are grafted onto a common tree 
and we find each other in our desert wanderings and make home with one another. This is what Paul is describing, I think, in Romans 12, what we've just read. He's describing what home looks and feels like. He says, let love be genuine and hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Don't lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Don't claim to be wiser than you are. Don't repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. And if it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. This is not easy work. It's not clean. Tilling the soil, tending to the flora and fauna, protecting the air, repairing dwellings, managing the caprice of nature's patterns is hard labor. The world is a hard place and home is hard to make. It really takes all that we have, but when we give of ourselves, we ought to be cared for in return. This is where I've found that. What I will say about myself is that I've worked hard here. Not perfectly, but hard. I've worked long hours. I've prioritized this place. I've poured out my soul. And every single investment that I've made has been returned to me with excess. I've been given so much more than I could ever give. I've been cared for by my home. This is the place where all my attempts to escape cease. And I deserve that. And you deserve that. Like God calls Israel from Egypt, God calls us from inhospitable homes. God calls us away from these places that we attempt to flee to a place where all our attempts to escape cease. But this requires bravery. It requires courage. It requires commitment. It requires money. It requires time. It requires mutual affection. It requires honoring one another. It requires love. So the question this morning that I want to leave you with is, are you doing your part to build this home? so that it can care for you in return? Are you doing your part to build this home so that it can care for you in return? What would you give to build an outpost against the alienating onslaught of a home-destroying world? A home for the masses of wandering strays and stragglers, 
for those fleeing oppression and loss, for those searching for meaning and hope in a dying world, and for you. As I close, I ask you to consider with me in silence for a moment what God is in this moment speaking to your spirit, what God is asking you to bring to this home. Listen for your particular call. Amen. I would love to hear what was percolating through your soul just now. I'd love for you to talk to me about that, about what you feel your call is and how you need your church home to care for you in return. Let's keep building this beautiful place together. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust you were fed as well as challenged by the content. This audio archive supplements a video library of the entire service. The video, along with music from our internationally recognized gospel choir, is available on firstchurchbrooklyn.org. We provide multi-access worship options both in person and online Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We are live in the sanctuary, as well as firstchurchbrooklyn.org and the church Facebook page at facebook.com slash firstchurchbrooklyn. All one word, no spaces. Visit firstchurchbrooklyn.org for more information on both online and in-person worship. Remember that now, as always, you are loved.